And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on Today's Experience. It's Expository Thursday as we work together to know the letter better. First into the narrative of the book of Acts, we travel to understand what things the Lord doth require of us as we learn to apply God's timeless truths in our lives. Let us recognize, first of all, what the Word of God teaches us. In Peter's second sermon, he declares that the people did what they did to Jesus because of ignorance. To this, Jesus Jesus testified, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. But that does not mean universal salvation. Instead, it means that God understands our ignorance and will give us an opportunity to turn. Next, foretold. Ever heard that word? Foretold. Prophecy has two elements, to share the mind of God at the moment and to foretell the future. In this case, we get both we get both of these in this Acts text. Jesus had to suffer, and that is what the prophets foretold. Check out Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, Jeremiah, Daniel, and Zechariah. And his sufferings fulfilled the payment for our sins. Now, of course, we can reject that testimony, but we own the consequences of our choices all of our choices. And finally, repent, be converted, have your sins blotted out for times of refreshing. That all sounds like initial conversion. Except for the repent, be converted, have your sins blotted out, enjoy the times of refreshing part. (laughs) That also sounds like Christian living. Uh, It all comes to the culmination with the presence of the Lord. After all, this is what heaven is all about. How about having a little bit of heaven, the presence of the Lord, here on earth right now? David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing politics, entertainment, and current events, personal revelations, spiritual observations. My life's insanity is an oeve, so much more. Hey, we're asking you, what do you think? Now, we're keeping it simple because you can email us, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. You can also text us, 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. Or you can call in 972-445. See how fast I said that? 972-445-445-0770. That's 972-445-0770. When you call in, Amazing Jen will answer because Captain Chris had a previous engagement, and Amazing Jen is filling in, and she does an amazing job. 
And that's all that matters is that she's doing an amazing job. Here's the bottom line. You might have a question, a comment, a thought. You might have something rattling around that you want to share. You get, might have something on your heart. You might have a prayer request. You might have a praise report. might have any of that stuff going on. We ask you to reach out to us and give us a chance to join with you in that process. And uh, you can reach out to us in any of those ways. Plus, we do Bible trivia. Here's your first Bible trivia. Bible trivia. I know. Is that good? I like that, huh? Bible trivia. He didn't do that with his own voice, did he? That was somebody else? Okay, we don't know. Uh, According to Luke. Ooh, according to Luke. Luke, I am your father. Oh, Luke. According to Luke, who told the women who visited Jesus' grave that he was not there but had risen? Who told the women, he's not here, he's risen? Or maybe it was more like, he's not here, he is risen. Who told uh, the women who visited Jesus' grave that he was not there, but he had risen? If you think you know the answer, you can reach out to us uh, different ways, like we said. You can call in 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483. Or you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. And I want to encourage you to go to the website because going to the website is a place to give, a place to get the book, a place to do a few different things. We had the website down for a day. We got that taken care of. <laughs> so yeah, it was our fault. <laughs> See, sometimes you do have to pay a bill. I guess that's true. <laughs> they, they, who, who knew? Anyway, go to he must org. Website he must org. He must increase.org. Email David at he must Facebook, He Must Increase Ministry. YouTube, He Must Increase Ministry. Okie dokie, artichokey. Just remember, like I told my wife today, that is, in fact, a theological term. Okay, all right. Uh, The trivia question, according to Luke, who told the woman who visited Jesus' grave that he was not there but had risen? Somebody is calling in, so we're going to do our delay. That's our tactical delay on the air while Amazing Jen coordinates the phone call. Uh, unless it's a wrong, wrong phone call and they were ordering a pizza. Although if they were ordering a pizza for me, it wouldn't be a wrong. Okay. I think you get what's going on there. Are we ready? Somebody? Nope. They hang up? Not a problem. All right. Don't forget Yom Kippur today uh, started last night. We'll go on to today. It's the Day of Atonement. We talked about that in the prior. In the meantime, uh, you can answer that trivia question, and we will now play our famous expository sound. Wow! (laughs) Wow! Wow! All I can say is wow! 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 All I can say is wow! We are an expensive show, aren't we? We are very expensive. (laughs) Very expensive show. We have a whole slew of under 11 second things. (laughs) That we probably stole from YouTube. What? What's what? that? I'm sorry, we borrowed. <laughs> borrow. It's a permanent borrow. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. We've just been using it for, what, two years, two yeah. and a half? Uh, yeah. There's, yeah. Literally two, uh, two and a half years tomorrow. So the only person with me that long is uh, Don and Jen. And Jen has been amazing. So she's put up with me and 
she probably deserves a raise just for that, but we'll just talk about that some other time. Uh, let's go into the text. Acts chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did your rulers. What's he talking about? We'll back it up so you can follow it through. In verse 14, Peter said, You denied the Holy One and just and asked for a murder to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead. And then he goes on in the rest of the text and says, Now, brethren, I know you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. People do dumb things. What? No, really. People do dumb things and follow a mob mentality. It's not unusual. Okay? It is a—actually, it's been quite common for a long time. And so what Peter does is he reminds them, look, this thing that you did, you did it because you didn't have a clue what was going on. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. First thing he said when he was on the cross. Why did Jesus say that? Because some people genuinely do stupid things or anti-God things in ignorance. And God knows. Yeah, they didn't get that. They didn't know what they were doing. Right? In fact, yesterday, I want to kind of address this. We had a call. Uh, we had a, a wonderful caller who asked a question about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I, you know, I was thinking I should probably give a backup passage to what he had asked. And I'll, I'll explain this, this to you in a second. But one of the answers I gave had to do with the fact that God knows how close you can get to the line before it's like getting goofy. And so he's the one that's going to pull you back. And you think, well, do you really have that in Scripture? Yeah. Isaiah 57. Listen to this passage. And this is, I want you to catch this. The righteous perish, and no one ponders it in his heart. Devout men are taken away, and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Sometimes God will take somebody just so that it doesn't get worse for them. And worse evil comes. And so there is a tendency in the compassion of God to yank somebody. If, if something disastrous is coming down, the Lord's like, yeah, I'm going to get them away from this. I don't even want them to see this. And he pulls them. It's like that's the compassion and the mercy of God. And so why I bring that up and how I'm connecting them is because sometimes people say and do things. They don't get it. They don't even know what they're doing. And the Lord has mercy in those situations. You might say, well, no, it's got to be according to my standard, what I think is right. No, it doesn't. What you think is right doesn't matter. What God determines is right. That's what matters. The best we're doing is using his word under the leading of the Holy Spirit to come to the best conclusions that we can as Christians. If somebody comes to a different conclusion to, than you, that doesn't make them evil unless it's a full disregard of the word. Okay? I mean, come on. I mean, that, that's just simple stuff. The idea behind this is to be compassionate for people who don't understand because God is compassionate for people that don't understand. We talked about this before, and we will say it again. Some people hear the gospel and they go, uh-uh. Right? Like, no. That's not their only—you don't know if that's their only shot. I know somebody in my— uh, extended family circle that thinks that they're going to be able to repent, just do whatever they want, and at the very end, they're going to repent. And I'm just waiting for God to give me the opportunity to go, you know, that's not how it works. Because if God doesn't give you the spirit in the, your heart to repent, it won't count. And it's just like, I think that person's going to go, woo. But you know what? That person doesn't understand that. And I'm asking the Lord to open that door so I can share that. 
And that's what's going on with a lot of people we're dealing with. They don't get it. So keep praying that God will open the door so that we can share what the truth is and what the wisdom is and what the purposes and plans of God are. Make sense? All right. I'm going to take our break and then come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. What is the David Spoon Experience? She thought he was a gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. <laughs> you think three words? Come on, Dave. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is... Hebrew for teacher, or it doesn't matter if your translation says master, rabbi, it doesn't care. She said, Mary. She, she responded, master, Lord. You see, the resurrected Jesus Christ speaks the name of his sheep. And Jesus knows your Name. My sheep, Jesus said, know my voice, and they hear me. And you were going along in your journey. Maybe you were young and you were in church. Maybe you were young and somebody brought it to you. Maybe you were in middle, the middle part of your life. Maybe in the later part of your life. But at some point, Jesus said your name. He said, David, Tierra, Tiffany, Noel, Joshua, Ashley. At some point, he called your name. The risen Messiah spoke your name to you. You know what? That's when you said, yes, Lord. Yes, Master. Yes, Rabboni. It's the most powerful moment because it's the moment that the divine Messiah speaks to you and pulls you from one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, into another kingdom, the kingdom of light. It is the moment that changed everything. And uh, Billy Graham had a really good piece on it. said some people can really define that moment. Some people can't. Doesn't matter. It happened for those that, well, it's kind of like a metamorphosis, but it happened. And in the economy of God, it happens more specifically. And maybe the person doesn't know the date. I know my date, but maybe the person doesn't know the date they said yes to Jesus. But there was a moment where Jesus called your name and you said yes. And that was the beginning of your understanding of his depth of love. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station. By the way, that's KAAM. Just remember that. The truth station here in Texas. Like that? KAAM. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to answer the prior trivia question because I'm lame. 
Well, what do you want from me? Uh, according to Luke, who told the woman who visited Jesus' grave uh, that he wasn't there, but that he had risen? The answer would be angel or angels. I think it's plural, so somebody check that out for me and make sure I didn't make that mistake. But I think it's two angels, but it could be one angel. Uh, and that always do that perfect. And then here's the next one, and this is rather a classic uh, trivia question. When the women, when the women passed on the message, what was the uh, disciples' initial response on them not believing them? What was it they thought? What were the disciples thinking? When the women passed on, hey, I got a message for you. Jesus is alive. How did the disciples initially respond to that? If you think you know the answer to that, you can reach out and call 972-445-0770. Plus, you can also text in 214-210-8483. Plus, you can also send an email, uh, org. Al has given a funny answer already. <laughs> I'm just not even going to resist this. I got, I'll read it afterwards because it's pretty funny. Uh, I did want to give an update. So somebody called and asked about Easton Scott. So what I had said yesterday was if you want to see a recent picture, my uh, wonderful daughter, Julianne, Julie Schiller, S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R, that's, what she's, uh, that's how she goes, is on Facebook, and you can see a picture of Easton Scott, Addie Bug, and Isaiah Anthony on Facebook. And if you can't see that, then you can always say to Julie Schiller, a friend her, and she'll respond to you. And if she doesn't, tell me, and then I'll yell at her. I'm not going to yell at her. Okay, I'll text her in a yelling format, like large caps and stuff like that. All right, so uh, trivia question. Just think about that. It's a classic uh, question for you. The women uh, passed on the message, but the disciples were like, why did they not believe? What was going on? What were they responding? How did they respond to that? If you think you know, reach out to us. You can call 972-445-0770 or text 214-210-8483 or send an email, david at hemusincrease.org. I have in my hand six very funny things. Now, I like these. I'm going to tell you. These are good news, bad news for the pastor. <laughs> good, you like that? Good news, bad news. <laughs> so he says, for good news is this. Okay, here we go. Uh, good news, bad news. Good news, you baptized seven people today in the river. Bad news, you lost two of them in the swift current. <laughs> okay? All right, that's fair. Okay, I agree. Good news. The women's group voted to send you a get well card. Bad news. The vote passed 31 to 30. <laughs> That's me. Uh, good news. The Pastor Parish Relations Committee accepted your job description the way you wrote it. Bad news. They were so inspired by it that they asked the bishop to send a new minister capable of filling that position. <laughs> no. That's a pretty good one. Uh, <laughs> the trustees, good news, the trustees finally voted to add more church parking. Bad news, they're going to blacktop the front lawn of the parsonage. <laughs> this is my fave. I'm just going to tell you, this is my favorite. Good news, church attendance rose dramatically the last three weeks. Bad news, you were on vacation. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> you were on vacation. That's terrible. And the last one, uh, good news, your biggest critic just left your community. Bad news, he's been appointed as your conference bishop. <laughs> wow, that's not good. <laughs>
<laughs> Good job, Jeff. That's great. Good work. Okay, we have our trivia question. We'll answer that. Please remind me. I don't know, wave your hand or throw something at the glass or, oh, yeah. <laughs> or you can lift up that sign that says trivia. That's a good one. Uh, let's go into the rest of this text because we do that thing. We do do the teaching stuff. Uh, here's what it says. Uh, now, brethren, I know you did it in ignorance, as did your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. What people don't understand about the Old Testament and the New Testament is that they're linked. What they also don't understand is that some people will go around saying, well, we should be living by the Old Testament. Well, no, you shouldn't be living by the Old Testament. That's why there's a New Testament. A testament's a covenant, an agreement, perhaps a contract, but much more of an agreement than anything else. And the idea behind this is that there was an old one and there was a new one. In the Old Covenant, it was dependent upon us fulfilling our part. In the New Covenant, God had to take over our part and do it for us so that it could be fulfilled because we kept on messing up on the old. But the bottom line is in the Old Testament, there are treasures and gems, and we talked about this the other day, and I don't want you to misunderstand. I want you to know the New Testament in and out, backwards and forwards. But you need to know the Old Testament too because it helps you understand what the process is going on in the New Testament. You still don't interpret the new through the old. You still use the new uh, to interpret the other way. So I just want you to make sure you don't kind of mess all that up. Here's the big key. In the Old Testament, it is foretold that the Christ might suffer, and people seem to miss that this is sprinkled throughout the Scripture. So in Isaiah 53, if you want to see where it talks about Jesus prior, look at Isaiah 53. Read Isaiah 53. You will read that, and as soon as you read it, you will go, that's Jesus. See how that works? You, if you read Psalm 22, you will find a similar expression because you will read it and go, that's Jesus. If you read in Jeremiah, in Daniel chapter 7, in Jeremiah, in Zechariah, as you read these different portions, you see that God foretold what was going to take place and then brought that to fulfillment. There's a couple of great things that you can count on because of that. You can count on the promises of God. You can count on the prophecies of God. You can count on the declarations of God. The reason that you don't have to freak out about all the things that are going on in the world is because God knows what's going on in the world. He knows what the countries are doing. He knows where the borders are going. He knows what's happening. And in all of this, as he always has, he has a plan. And that plan has your name in it my name in it, the church's name in it. Anybody thinking, well, I don't like the way I'm seeing things. I totally get you. I don't think Joseph liked the way he was seeing things, but God was setting up something much greater. I don't think the church in the early days liked the way that they were looking at Saul until they realized that God turned him and made him Paul. The God, will, the, the God that we serve will take these really tough, horrible elements and turn them to be fantastic victories that we can rejoice over. And when you see something like prophecy come to pass, it should be an affirmation that God's word is true 
and that he will keep his word that he's made to you and I. If you buy, if you take the time, and I would encourage you to do it, to read Titus chapter 1. So we're going to be doing a study in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus as one of our expository books. Plus, we're going to be doing uh, Peter and James. Plus, we're going to be doing another Old Testament book. I'll tell you about that later. Uh, probably Genesis, just to let you know. And in Titus, it talks about that God, who cannot lie, promised— watch this— before the world began, promised eternal life. And it says, it says God who promised, you know, before the world began, promised eternal life. And God who cannot lie, he made a promise of eternal life, which is why in every human being, in their heart, there is this deep desire to have eternal life, but this understanding that you can't have it on your own. You can't make it happen. That you're fully dependent on God for it. But God will be faithful to his word as these prophecies illustrate. He tells something ahead of time, a thousand years, two thousand years, three thousand years, four thousand years, and it comes to pass exactly as he says. So you and I can take comfort. Oh, wait, there's a thought. Take comfort in these prophecies about Jesus. And what Peter does when he's preaching to, to this to this smaller group, it's a smaller group than the other group, what he does is he tells them, all the prophets that they prophesied about the Christ, that came to pass. God, always being true, always being faithful, there it is, yet for you again. He's demonstrated his faithfulness to you, right? I love that because it just gives us an, an, an encouragement. Anytime you read in the New Testament about prophecies being fulfilled, it should remind you of the faithfulness of God and his declaration through his prophets. And you know what he promised through Jesus Christ? Jesus is coming again. <laughs> I want that one. <laughs> I choose that, right? That should give you a great sense of comfort and a great understanding. Now, I'm going to answer the trivia question early, but because of how unbelievable it is, just so you can follow along with what I'm trying to share. So when the women passed on the message, why did the disciples not believe them uh, is the is the question that we're asking. And it says that their words seemed like nonsense, right? Their words seemed like nutty cuckoo stuff. Or uh, as Al said, and I'm just going to read Al's line there. Uh, yeah, right. Go make us sandwiches. <laughs> that was Al's line. <laughs> Pretty funny. Here's the bottom line. That's what people think when we tell them now. It's not even any different. Jesus has risen. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> You've lost your mind. You're bunkers. You know? What'd you do? Hit your head before you walked in the door? They think we're crazy now, but this is the same message we're giving. We know the risen Christ has come. It's coming through a message. Come through a message. A messenger, an angel. We tell people, and they think you're nuts. And sometimes you just got to be persistent in telling them because at some point they were like, huh, maybe so, and things change, right? Never quit sharing it. That's a big key. All right, you're listening to the David Swin Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Moving is hard. It's a moment that everyone dreads, but wait, there's an answer. Jesus can help. And for the moving parts, men of God moving is there for you. 
Men of God Moving is a full-service Christian moving company that is locally owned and operated, serving the entire Dallas and Fort Worth area. Men of God Moving helps with homes, apartments, offices, long and short distance relocations, and so much more. They offer packing and unpacking services, loading and unloading, assembling and disassembling, plus many other helpful services. Tell them you heard it on the David Spoon Experience and receive a substantial discount. Substantial means a whole bunch. Call them at 817-707-7672 or go to their website, menofgodmoving.com. That's menofgodmoving.com. And check them out on Facebook. The Lord's Word says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Ephesians 6, 7. Allow men of God moving the privilege of serving you. And listen to Johnny Hill, the owner, often on the David Spoon Experience. To hear his testimony, reach out to men of God moving. Johnny's testimony will move you. God bless. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you know how you keep going? Do you know how you keep putting one foot in front of the other? Do you know how you don't give up? Do you know how you don't quit even though you want to quit? You fix your eyes on Jesus. You see with God. When Peter went out of that boat and stepped on that water, there is no natural principle in the world, in, in, in any normal universe, that would allow Peter to walk on water. But he did one thing well. He looked at Jesus. And as he was looking at Jesus, the Bible says he walked on the water. He looked at his situation just focusing at Jesus. Then he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he saw the winds and the waves, and he sank. He lost the correct attitude when he stopped seeing with Jesus in the picture. Whatever you see, whatever you face, whatever you encounter, do not see it or face it in the natural. For we walk by faith and not by sight. So everything you see, you must insert the picture of Jesus. The David Spoon Experience. If Jesus Welcome back right, to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Don't forget that's KAAMEN for those that are trying to figure it out. Let's get ready for our next trivia question. Who stood outside Jesus' tomb crying? There we go. Who stood, who stood outside Jesus' tomb crying? If you think you know the answer, you can call 972-445-0770, or you can text in 214-210-8483, or you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. That would be the place to do that. Let's see. Is there something else I'm supposed to do? I got the history. I know we got to do that. I'm trying to think of it. Oh, yeah. Don't forget to uh, check out 
the website. We want you to be able to do that because that's the place you can give, and I'll just make it really simple. We're a little tight. We're not too tight, just a little tight. And when we're a little tight, I tell you. <laughs> hey, we're a little tight. You should just know that's going on. If you can give, great. If you can't, don't worry about it. Please check out hemustincrease.org. Website, hemustincrease.org, hemustincrease.org. Email david at hemustincrease.org. Facebook. He must increase ministry. YouTube, he must increase ministry. Okie dokie, artichokey. So the question is straightforward. If you think you know the answer, you can call in or you can text in. The question is, who stood outside Jesus' tomb crying? Ah. Within the texts, we have people who are texting, and then they're questioning their text. uh, But I can't connect them all. (laughs) So you got to figure out how to do that. That'd be uh, great. Uh, we are going to do history, so let's do history real quickly. Our sound for history. Let's go living in the past. Let's go living in the past. All righty. So a couple of things that are worthwhile and a couple of things that are probably worth skipping. So we'll say both of those at the same time. Uh, National Guacamole Day. I like that. Yeah, like guacamole is good. Great, right? And my wife, oh, Noelle's great guacamole. Oh, Yum. my goodness. It's like, arr, arr, arr. great job. Uh, National Cinnamon Raisin Bread Day. I'm kind Don't of put a the fan. guacamole on the cinnamon raisin bread. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Have you ever done that? I, I have not, no. I, I would. I would think that would be. Well, they have like avocado toast. Maybe you could toast it. You know, I have actually had that once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, once, and once would be enough. Okay, anyway, gotcha. I just let you know. Uh, it's National Play-Doh Day. Who doesn't like Play-Doh? All right, Play-Doh Day. And then here's the important one, really difficult for people to do because it's so expensive. It's Collect Rocks Day. <laughs> Don't ask me. I don't write this. This is not me. Uh, 1972, on this day, the Bob Newhart Show made its debut. Uh, just for those, uh, it was a psychologist. Remember Suzanne Plachette was the wife? You remember that whole? Okay. And then they did that spinoff, and at the end of the spinoff, they had Suzanne Plachette at the very yeah, end. Yeah, it was of all spin-off. a dream. Yeah, it was so good. I mean, at least it was original. Uh, also, on this day in 1984, for those that care, probably many of you won't, Miami Vice aired for the first time. Cool jackets. Yeah. They look great then. <laughs> now it's like, yeah, go to the love boat. The 80s. <laughs> the 80s. And then uh, finally, this is the classic, 1968, Sock It to Me. That is when Richard and Nixon delivered the line, Sock It to Me, on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. That five-second appearance took six takes. <laughs> Which is like, hmm. and some people think he won the election because of that. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. All right, uh, trivia questions on the board. Ready to go back into the text. This text, by the way, is I've taught on it, I think I've taught like four times since we've been doing the show. Uh, I just happen to really like this. There's some portions to me that are just, you know, people say, well, it's, you know, it's all the word of God. It sure is, but I'd rather hear about Jesus, uh, you know, you know, being interceding for me than read about Moses talking about the mold. So if you're not one of those people, I can't help you. But here's what this text says in uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says, Repent, therefore, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, some, so times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Let's deal with repent. And we've talked about this multiple times. The first message from John the Baptist was repent. 
the first message from Jesus was repent. The first message from Peter in Acts chapter 2 is repent. The message here in chapter 3, repent. The first message from Paul, as you read his writings and it talks about his, his first message, is repent. You see, there's a theme there. Everybody's really interested in, in trying to quote certain portions of what people say, and then they'll say, you know, whatever the last thing is is really important, or whatever the middle thing is. I don't know. All I know is that all the New Testament writers said the same thing in the beginning. Repent. You know? I mean, just think about that. Repent, repent, repent. Does that mean you got to put a sandwich board on you and go around and say the, the, the end is near? No. Although the end is near, you just don't have to do the sandwich board thing. Here's what you got to do. You got to change your thinking and thereby change your direction. To repent is to change the mind which changes the direction a person is walking in. And what the whole concept of repent is, is for us to get away from our thinking and turn to God's thinking. That repent is active throughout your entire Christian life. There's actually a teacher in Texas that says, no, you only have to repent once. Guy's a loon. That's wrong. That's just absolutely, it can't be any more wrong. You have to repent multiple times. Why? Because you do multiple dumb things, and you have to change your course to get on God's course of direction. That's the requirement. When it says, therefore, be converted, it's funny because in that particular text, it's it's really kind of a, a, a unique Greek statement. It conveys the idea of receiving a foreign influence, an influence that you're not used to receiving. I find that to be, anytime you hear something like that, uh, I find stuff like that to be amazing. And then it says, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins might be blotted out. Again, for those that are saved, God is not going to throw you into hell because you are struggling with sin. And I want to say this again, again, so that people understand that Christians who struggle with sin, it's not an issue of whether they're saved or not. The fact that they're struggling with sin is an indication that they're a child of God. A child of God struggles with sin. A person who is not a child of God could care less about sin. They don't care. It's just quite simple. I mean, when we're in that place and we're trying to walk it right, that's an indication. That's the Holy Spirit in you confirming and affirming you are a child of the Most High God. When you have that moment and you know you need to repent, you know you need to change, or you know you need to do better, that's just the assurance. And it's ironic because just like Yom Kippur, the day that, we're, that the high priest goes into the very presence of God is a testimony from God that we should, when we're struggling with sin, come to God. Yet what's the, the fleshly reaction when you sin is you run away from God like Adam and Eve. It's like you got to do the exact opposite. Well, in this case, it's, just, it's like the same element. When you're struggling in sin, you come to the Lord, and he will get you free. But the truth is you're struggling because you are God's kid. If you weren't God's kid, you wouldn't care. Just It's just that straightforward. Then what we ask the Lord to do, he's not, it's not an issue of justification in the sense of your sin uh, being put aside so that you don't go to hell. It's an issue of what James said, pray for one another, uh, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. What we tend to forget is that sinful behavior creates problems that needs healing. 
Uh, is it going to separate you from the Lord? No, you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The blood of Jesus Christ covers all of your sin, not some of your sin. God didn't choose you and go, I didn't know you were going to sin like this 10 years later. Wow. That's not how it works. But what we need to understand is that sin still has an impact in our lives. And because of that impact in our lives, we need to get healing. I'm like, please, help, help us. It's kind of, I, I just want to say it in the kind of nicest terms. Kind of like poking yourself in the eye. <laughs> it's like, okay, you'll be able to see and you'll be able to walk. But boy, is that painful and boy, is that dumb. That's kind of like, I don't know how else to say that. I mean, it's like, yeah. So the repentance is that, uh, it's not an escalator. What's this? I guess it's like an express lane to get it. It's just like, yeah, the Lord. And, and repentance doesn't have to be something bizarre or weird because I, I think we've made it that way where you go into church and then the preacher preaches and then he takes his shoe off and throws it at somebody and that uh, he you know hands out little uh, self-whips and you start whipping yourself. Repentance is changing. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, take your head and bang it against a, a door. It's like you going, you know what? My direction is wrong. I'm going to go in your direction, God, because I'm doing this wrong. And I, I want to do this right. And I want to do it to honor you. I think it's a really important uh, element because we just think of sin in these— what's the word I'm looking for? We think of sin as this— um, kind of like this uh, submarine chamber, and then you go in there, and then you're stuck in there, and you're under the water. And it's like, mm, no, no, no. God knows you're, you're struggling. God will help you through it. God will walk you through it. And in fact, he has walked you through it. The, the truth of the matter, from my point of view, and maybe you see it different, is the closer in I get to the Lord, the clearer I can see that I am not where I need to be. I mean, I draw in closer to the Lord, and I'm like, yikes. I can't believe you love me. I'm much worse than I thought. You ever feel that way? That's a perfect testimony about the faithfulness of God. Oh, so did we, did we answer the trivia question? I don't think I answered the trivia question, did I? Nope. All right. The answer is Mary Magdalene. Not Mary the—Mary Mary, Joseph Mary. Mary Magdalene was the answer of the person crying outside the tomb. Just thought I'd throw that your direction. Let's take our break here. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. This KAAM radio show with your very own David Spoon is not a business, but a nonprofit ministry first and foremost committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and strategically equipping the saints. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Christian believers, the hurting, and those not yet believers who need biblical truths. To continue our radio ministry and message of truth, we need many of our faithful listeners to support us, as well as ministry partners who might wish to sponsor the He Must Increase ministry. By giving, you wonderfully facilitate our priorities of assertively teaching the Word of God, and you get nothing in return. No quid pro quo. Nothing but a receipt at the end of the year indicating you gave to us since your donation is 100% tax deductible. Remember that it says in Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
or in Proverbs, where it teaches that a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But if you cannot give, no problem. Continue to enjoy and learn and give however you see fit whenever you can. To support us, go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Such support is terribly appreciated, knowing it enables our beloved David Spoon to give to all of us his time, energy, like so few can. Right here on KAAM. Okay, let's do a little bit of history, and then we've got our last teaching. Let's uh, set up history. Let's go, let's go. All right, unlike most of the times, I'm going to do an honorable mention because there are a couple of days that are worthy of honorable mention. First and foremost, it is Trivia Day. I mean, come on, Trivia Day. That's what we do. Bible Trivia. It is also National Spaghetti Day. So I don't know how I feel about it. Yummy likes it big time. Huge. Were you about to say you don't know how you feel about well, spaghetti? Well, I don't know if it, it, it has its own day, but let me ask you: Do you like spaghetti like with stuff in it, or just spaghetti by itself? Anything like you oh. can have stuff in it, stuff out. Wow! I just I will eat spaghetti with the sauce as long as there's sauce and no just. So meat. you're a big spaghetti fan, like I'm a pizza fan. Yes, love carbs. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to go out one day and just do pizza and spaghetti. We got to go to an all you can eat pizza and spaghetti thing. Can it be a National Carbs Day? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we have to find one of those. A woman. All right. Here is a woman. <laughs> Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Don't forget that's KAAMEN. I like that. I like that. Don was sharing with me how he came across that, so it's kind of a cool thing. And then uh, actually he was like uh, trying to find the connection to truth, and it turns out that the word amen, amen from the Hebrew is actually connected to the word is correct or truth. So it's like, oh, that's pretty good. All right, so we got that done. We got that done. We got our trivia. Very tough last trivia question. Can't tell you any other way to say it. Which Old Testament book has the particular verse in which it is uh, taken, talking about the messianic prophecy about Jesus being killed with sinners? Hmm. I'm not going to ask you for the verse. Just the book is fine. Which Old Testament book has the verse in it, which uh, is taken as the Messianic prophecy about Jesus being killed with sinners? If you think you know the answer to that, that is not an easy one. Uh, You are welcome to call in at 972-445-0770. I will give this hint. It is one of the more popular uh, places. Uh, Eric striking right away. Good job. Uh, 214-210-8483 the text. And then the website is, the website, the email is david at he must increase.org. I don't even know what I'm doing. Where, where, where am I? Okay. Just cause of that, we're going to have to do a Hebrew word. Okay. That's it. We're going to do a Hebrew word. Let's do a Hebrew word. What do you think? Potato latkes. <laughs> see, see, if you were in my family, you would know what that meant. 
Uh, here we go. Out of Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 10. On the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people away to their tents, joyful and glad of heart for the good that the Lord has done for David, for Solomon, and for the people of Israel. Joyful is sa mech sa mech sa me Got to have the or it doesn't sound very Yiddish. Sameach. And that means happy, joyful, cheerful, rejoicing, festive. Sameach comes from the root samach, which is to rejoice, to be happy, to be joyful. It appears about 23 times in the Hebrew uh, Bible, but has 150 translations as a variant, which means rejoice, be glad, so on and so forth. So there it is. If you uh, ever remember that, I would be impressed. So I'll just be honest. Okay, uh, the question is a tough one. I know it's a tough one. Which Old Testament book makes the reference of the prophecy, messianic prophecy, about Jesus being killed with sinners? Here's your only hint, okay? It's one of the five major prophet books. There you go. There you go. There you go. Okay? All right. Let's finish up on this. Uh, another just, I love, sometimes I just love these texts, some of the things they say. So let's go back to verse 19, and it says this, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. There is nothing that I could ever, ever, ever teach you or share with you, or encourage you in, or say to you, or communicate, or tattoo on your brain, or send you enough emails, or write enough books, or anything else other than this great truth, if there was one thing I could pull together and say, do this, do this, it would be understanding that in the presence of the Lord comes all the refreshment we need to make it through, period. Every time you are down every time you are struggling, every time you are rejoicing, every time you are up, every time that you are in any situation ever, the presence of the Lord is the greatest place to be. I will tell you two stories, and then you can kind of relate them so you can understand them. But this text mentions that we are refreshed from the presence of the Lord. We know this is true. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In his presence is the fullness of joy. We've taught this uh, quite quite a few times. So in, 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 in his presence is the fullness of joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So when you're in the presence of the Lord, that's your place for strength. When I was in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona, uh, something I would do every once in a while is I would close the church doors at the church we had in Flagstaff and uh, would not, I would uh, not have any contact with anybody anywhere. I'd kind of even uh, make sure that the windows were closed up, everything's closed up, and I would put on two or three CDs, worship CDs, and I would turn them on pretty loud. <laughs> It was pretty loud, but it was downtown Flagstaff, so nobody really cared. And I would just be in the presence of the Lord, worshiping the Lord. I will tell you on this planet, I think that I, I remember the particular one, but that is probably the greatest place I have ever been, ever. Because uh, God was so present. His, his Holy Spirit was so filling the room. 
and I just I just could not possibly care about anything anywhere at that moment. Just like just so enjoying God. All right? That's a good thing. That's in the presence of the Lord, refreshing. That's when it's positive. When it's negative are all the ten times I've told you guys I have a really bad attitude. I have just the worst time in the morning with uh, electronics, and I get really frustrated, and then I will get into the Word of God, and the Word of God will speak directly into my heart, and then I go into prayer, and I'm, I'm trying to make the connection. So the Word of God kind of corrects me when I'm going, going wayward, and I get into prayer, and I am just, you know, even though I, I had this really lousy attitude earlier, between the Word of God and between prayer, as the Lord is pouring himself out upon me, I find a completely changed David. This is not even the same person. And my wife, she'll tell you, if you ask her, she can tell the difference after I've spent time with the Lord. Just think about that. It's like, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's bad and that's good. <laughs> it's good because it's good because I'm spending time with the Lord. It's bad because she can tell a difference, which means when I'm not spending time with the Lord, hey, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> right? My point in telling you that is the Lord's presence and his 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 gracefulness. And and I will say this, and I, I adore these these kind of things. When Jesus first came in uh, after the resurrection, and they were all like freaking out, right? Because they were freaking out, and they should have been freaking out. I mean, Jesus had been killed. Uh, these guys were on a hunt list. I mean, this was not going good, right? What is the first thing that Jesus said to them each time he came into their presence? What's the first thing he said? Peace. Just like, chill. I got gotcha. you. Peace. It's like, uh, see, he's the prince of peace, so he has the authority of peace. And it's just thinking, you just process that and think they were pretty uptight. They were probably, I would say, validly freaking out to some degree. And then Jesus comes into the room and he doesn't say, run, hide. <laughs> he doesn't say any of that. He says, peace. Don't you worry. We got it covered. And that's what you need. That's what I need. And there's that that place of rest, that place of safety, that place of comfort where the Lord is assuring you on the inside, even if the circumstances on the outside are kind of like, eh, nutty cuckoo stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. And I agree with you. But that's why we always talk about inserting God in the picture, so to speak. As soon as he's entered the picture, it's different. It's just different. Everything changes. And this is that passage, you know, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, again, some of you might find more of the presence of the Lord in fellowship. Then you should be at fellowship every chance you can get. Some of you will find more fellowship in worship. Some will find it more in prayer. Some will find it more in the Word. Some will find it in a combination. Some will find it in serving. You find the presence of the Lord when you serve other people, that the Lord just pours himself out upon you. Or even some of you do it when you're giving. And you, you give, and it's just like you just think— yeah, great. 
to give a lot more or give more often anyway if you're not going to give a lot more or something along those lines. And it's not just that. It's like some people find that they'll commune. I always say creation versus nature. Uh, there's a reason for that. But, you know, if you're in uh, there's many times on the top of the hill, that's where Moses went. Elijah was out in, the, in, a, in a cave in the mountain by himself. Jesus went out by himself in the middle of the night. There are there are that experience where you enjoy God's creation. And that's a witness for you. I'll never forget one of the times I was really struggling, I was in California at uh, Seagate at the place we were at, which, like I told you, it's just incredible. If you ever want to see the some of the pictures we had, I think there's a Spoon Sunsets at Shutterfly.com. I have like a thousand pictures up there. And one time I sat on the, the balcony. It's like a three-mile view of the ocean. And it's just like everything that I was going through just seemed so small. Just like look, look, look at that water. <laughs> look at that. Look at that thing. All right. I just the reason I bring it up is because I want you to get refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. All right. The trivia question was which Old Testament book had a verse in it which was talking about the messianic prophecy about Jesus being killed with sinners. That's going to be the book of Isaiah. That's going to be. Chapter 53, and it's going to be verse 12. Verse 12, Isaiah 53, 12. But there was a little bit of a hint for you guys in the second segment, so you might not have caught that I gave a hint. Uh, one thing I will do, I'll put that up there. I think that's a, I just had that idea. It wasn't uh, from the Lord. I just think it's a good idea. I'm going to put up a link for that spoon sunsets at shutterfly.com. I'll put that up on the website because you just, there are so many cool pictures. I even named one the face of God. I mean, it's really cool stuff, okay? And it doesn't cost anything and you don't, nothing for it, okay? All right, all right. Keep it simple. Keep in it. Let the word of God, let the presence of God, let the truth of God just indwell you. Okay? All right. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. 22 and a half hour break. Then we'll be back. More Insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. The views expressed in the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.